Hello and welcome to the first episode of Dream It, Dare It, Do It, a podcast with me, Jasmine. <laughs> Who is Jasmine? Jasmine, I am a businesswoman. I am a coach. I am co-author of the best-selling book, The Midas Touch with Joe Vitale. And uh, I uh, decided that I wanted to have cool conversations about living the life that we want. And I'm starting the first episode with my friend, Nikon. Hi, Nikon. Hello, Jasmine. It's a pleasure to be here. So Nikon is, um, we both did Supercoach Academy together. So Nikon is also a coach. And Nikon lives in? Bangkok, Thailand. Bangkok, Thailand. So we're both like the same, like I speak French and English and Nikon speaks Thai, Thai and English. That, so, yes. so we're both, uh, you know, talking to people in our languages. <laughs> so can you want, do you want to tell them a little bit what you do uh, in Bangkok? Sure. It'd be an absolute pleasure. So similar to you, I, I have a hard time doing just one thing. So I do a few things. So mainly I'm most known for being a business coach in Thailand and I run a small boutique coaching and consultancy where I help businesses to really get more out of themselves, to help the leaders in the business get a deeper understanding of where their experience is coming from so they can become unleashed in their business and their sales and their marketing and their communications and their leadership. And I just love doing that. I love helping people disrupt old models of business and the way they're doing things. I'm also a Taekwondo teacher. I have a, um, a chain of Taekwondo programs in international schools. We have four branches. We're going to expand to five and six next year. We have over 100 students. I've been doing Taekwondo for 20 years. I'm a fifth dan black belt, if that means anything. <laughs> and I, um, it I means also. Don't bug him. This yeah, don't, yeah don't, I will mess you up. <laughs> lovingly, <laughs> lovingly. <laughs> I, in me, um, I also help with a family business. We, we do um, glass artwork for architectural firms and interior firms. We do mega projects in and around Asia. So I do that because I'm a good son. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it for now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So we, um, I wanted to let people know, you know, the reason why I'm doing the podcast. So, uh, mm. and where does Dream It, Dare It, Do It comes from. Um, when I was in my early 30s, I, um, I had been with the company for 10 years. And um, I'm, I was the kind of person that, you know, did what a good girl would do, you know, like, mm. so younger you know what a good girl would do was you know get married so i got a boyfriend and i got engaged and i was about to get married and i said what the hell am i doing and <laughs> so i i did not proceed with the wedding uh I, not that i left them at the altar but i mean i'm just saying i i broke it off and then i thought okay well if i'm not going to be the good girl and, you know, get the husband and the 2.3 kids, whatever the statistic is, and the picket fences, white picket fence and all that. I'm going to have a career. I'm going to be a good girl. I'm going to, you know, so I found myself a job and, and I worked through, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. You know, I went to, I, I went to school for accounting and then got out of school and I found this job and it, I started in accounting and then I went to customer service, then I went to sales, then I went to sales management. And so like I was, I was doing, going up the, in French, we say les echelons, but going up the ladder, you know? Mm. And uh, after 10 years, I was like miserable. I'd been miserable for a freaking long time. And I was like, okay, I have to get the hell out of here. And I left and, um, and I left without a job and I left without, you know, I, I was just like, okay, I've had enough, I'm leaving. And so I took, I took a month off to just think about, you know, what do I want to do? And after a month, well, my insecurities started 
taking over and I was like, okay, I have to go get a job now. I have to go get a job. And I, I went to find a job. And within three months of being in that job, I was as miserable as I was with the other job that I'd been with for 10 years. And I kind of like went, how did that happen? Like, you know, like it was just like, for me, it was like, I've been there 10 years. It's been too long. And so I'm going to just move on. And, and then the other guy had been there for three months and I was like, I hate them. I hate them. It's all their fault. It was really an outside. It was because of them, you know, Mm. it wasn't inside out. But as I reflected on it, I really saw that, no, it was, it was because I wasn't, I was doing what I wanted to do again. I was doing what I thought I should do. So I decided that's it. I'm starting my own business. And I called it D3. My name is Debian. The last name is Debian. So I said, okay, D to the power of three, D3. And then the person said, well, what does it mean? And I was like, yeah, what does it mean? And then I kind of like, just dream it, dare to do it, just do it. So that's how it, it all came about, you know? But it wasn't really working with my services company, Dream It, Dare It, Do It, because I was really, what I was doing was going into companies and helping them set up their computer systems and their CRM and their accounting and all of that kind of stuff. Like I'm into business systems. And so I kind of dropped it. And then when I was wanted to do the podcast, I was like, oh my God, Dream It, Dare It, Do It is perfect <laughs> for a podcast. So that's how it came about. And so I want to talk to people about, you know, are they living the life that they want? And, and um, I thought, you know, you're so, you know, got so many things going. I feel like you're living the life that you want. And I wanted to know, first of all, is it, (laughs) are you living the life that you want? And um, what brought you there? Like, how did you get to live this? Yeah, I really resonate with your story. And before we started recording, we talked about want, right? I think what, what occurred to me, well, I'll tell you, I guess, how I got here, right? So growing up in Thailand, um, I kind of grew up in a very interesting family like my father's world-renowned glass artist right and he's he was very much busy being an artist and i felt i guess growing up i always felt a little neglected with attention and love so i learned how to be super independent like i really learned how to really take care of myself emotionally and and there's a dark side to that but which will come later but learn how to be really independent um and my aunt who was my first mentor and teacher, she, she opened up the first Montessori school in Thailand, in, in my city of Pattaya. So I went to that school and her school, right? Cause she opened up the school down the road from my house. And, and through the Montessori program, I really learned how to be very resourceful, learn how to ask a lot of really good questions, learn how to kind of create my own education. And then I went, so when I get to when I finished high school in Thailand I was like I'm leaving this place I don't want to be here you know like I did not have a good family like I did not have a good relationship with my father at that point in time so all I knew is I just wanted to leave so I moved to America in Washington I went to Washington DC I didn't know what schools to go to what rank I just knew I needed to like I just want to live with my aunt it was real cute real cute too my aunt took me around to all the, the universities there, right? There was like George Washington University, Georgetown, American University. This Asian boy had no idea what any of these places were, like their ranks or top 50 or whatever. So my aunt, we would go to, she took me to George Washington University and I was like, oh, this is like, this is like a city, like city university. Like this doesn't look like the image I had in my head. Nah. Went to Georgetown University and I remember the tour guide showing us oh, this is the graveyard where we keep our famous dead people. And in Asia, that's like super bad luck to have a graveyard in. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is bad feng shui. Like, we don't want to go here. <laughs> Went to American University at the beautiful campus. It looked like, like a movie I had in my head of what an American university should look like. 
we walked right into the registrar's office and said, hi, yes, um, love the school. I'd like to go to school here. Where, where do I um, sign up? And the lady kind of looked at me like, oh, okay, here, you sign, fill out this form. Um, they gave me an interview. I, I gave them uh, an SAT score. And I think two months later, I was enrolled into this school. And then it was very Mr. Magoo because I was talking to my friends and like later, like two years later, I was like, oh, this school is so hard to get into. The business school is top 50 in the world. I was like, oh, did you guys not go to that registrar's office that I went to? Like, did you do it? Did you not know you could do that? You know, <laughs> very much like that. And then, so that, that kind of set me up because going to this business school really put in my head of what I should want, right? Like, oh, you go to this business school, you should go into finance, you should go into like, like, like I had this idea that I would graduate and I would immediately become CEO of some company. <laughs> <laughs> I would come back to Thailand and be like, look at my, look at my American university. You should let me be CEO of something. <laughs> and so I was met with a very rude awakening that that's not true that that's not what happens in real life people just don't let you become ceo because you graduated from some business school <laughs> <laughs> but i was determined i was like i want to be independent i'm going to work in finance so after years and years of working different jobs i finally landed like my big you know finance job it was like an interbank brokerage job it was like there's like a desk there was like numbers like like millions and millions of dollars being traded and it was like a job where you would help um banks buy and sell financial products like bonds and and uh currencies i think for like a thai bank you made it buy. yeah i made it like for a thai <laughs> bank to buy currency from a foreign bank the minimum amount they were allowed to buy was a million dollars minimum you couldn't buy anything for like, you could only buy a million dollars. You couldn't buy $500,000 worth of currency. And so, and it's very similar to you. The second rude awakening was I realized that I hated my life. I hated everybody there. And like my mind was going to all sorts of dark places. I would, I would, I would just like, it was so toxic that, um, that workplace, they would just like chew you out because they want to make you emotionally strong. So their idea of that is just to, like big degrade you and chew you out until like, you just get used to being used to the pressure and mm -hmm. it just made me not like them more <laughs> yeah and so to, to what you're talking about is i i was i was it really fucked me up because i was like oh like but you're supposed to want this why are you not happy mm. like you should be happy you like you know within three five years you'll make ten thousand dollars a month and and you know you, you've made it like there you go like, yeah and I just couldn't ignore the, like my soul just being like, like you can do this, but you're going to die in your, in your, in your soul. And I think, I think I, after getting chewed, like getting chewed out for like six straight months and, you know, work having to be at the office by 7 a.m. and finishing at 10 p.m. and taking clients out to dinner and, and like waking up at 4 a.m. to get to work. I think I walked out one Friday night evening and I never went back. I was like, yeah, no. And that next day, I just sat at the, at, I think at the, my apartment, I had the, the first floor of the apartment um, building in, on a chair. And I just listened to the breeze and just was like incredibly present. And I was like, wow, I've never felt this free in my life. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, and then from then I, I was kind of lost, right? Like I didn't really know, have a plan. Cause like my thing that I wanted to do was all of a sudden like, you know, miserable. So I took another job in project management and then I just started following what I, what, what naturally came to me, like not what I thought I should want, but just what, okay, this is what I want for now. So I, I want to do Taekwondo because I've been doing Taekwondo all my life. So actually I want to teach Taekwondo. So I'll, I'll approach the school and ask if I could teach Taekwondo for them while I did my day job. And they said, yes. And and that business grew to four or five branches over eight years. You have over a hundred students and eventually fun, fun story. Like even though, and then coaching came in, I learned to be a coach and I learned because, you know, Taekwondo is very much about coaching kids. Like, Oh, maybe I can coach adults too about the things I've learned. And, and that developed and fun story. I was making like three or four times as much money in my businesses than my day job, but I didn't want to leave the day job because I was like free money. Why would I leave free money? Like, <laughs> you know, 
so I, was, I stayed until like they fired me and i was like yeah that's fair enough like you, you guys should probably fire me you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and um and and coming up to now oh my god gosh jasmine life has been fantastical like getting to do super coach and getting to meet people like yourselves and then learn from mentors like Michael Neal and Lynn Robertson and, and um, Fiona and Marina and all these amazing, amazing coaches and meeting amazing people in my life. And it, it just occurred to me yesterday, really. And this, it's so interesting that we're talking now. It occurred to me like, wow, I'm really fucking happy. I don't have I don't have yet have the amount of money I would like to have in my bank account, the house or the car, but I'm really fucking happy. And it blew me away because my whole life, I always thought when I get what I want, then I'll be happy. Mm. And I was just sitting there on this, just sitting there at dinner, actually, I was on a date and I was like, I'm just really happy. Like I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and be like, yeah, that was a good run. Like that, that, that wasn't bad. That's really cool. That's really, yeah. really cool. So like having done the work that we've done. So now mm. we like, for those of you listening, like we, we really get that it's an inside out thing. Mm. Like our, our experience of life is coming from inside, not from mm. outside. And I think that we, we, as we all have it confused. We think that it's coming from outside. And when it's coming from outside, we, we can't do anything about it. <laughs> you know, it's coming from out there. So you can't do anything about what's out there. You can only do what's, you know, something about what's inside. Mm. And, um, and so if you could, if you look at what you overcame, you know, mm. when you, when you finally said, okay, I've had enough of this shit. I'm mm. just, I'm, just, that's it. I, I'm quitting. You know, I'm walking away. What do you think? Like, because it seems like you said, I, I think we both had that same experience of, okay, I like for me, like what showed up was like, I can't believe I was put on this earth to do this shit. Like, wake up in the morning, pissed off, drive to the office pissed off screaming at all the name the people that couldn't know how to drive getting to the office and going Ugh, not you guys again and then just doing that over and over and over again i kind of just like went fuck this i like see i i said yeah. we could we, we could swear <laughs> but i'm sorry to people <laughs> who didn't like that but um so so yeah i mean what do you think you was it just like the total fed up that you overcame or like, was there something that you had to get over? Um, oh yeah. I had to, I had to give up this, 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 this thing that I had to prove something to myself that to be successful, I needed to be at this finance job to, to prove to my father that he was wrong, that being an artist, you can't be successful as an artist, you can, you have to be, you have to get a real job in a business, even though he was, his business has been pulling seven figures for three decades, you know, <laughs> like I just wanted <laughs> to prove he had it. Proved it to you already. Yeah. I was like, I was just, uh, I was just like this, this probably hormonal, like, even though it was in my late twenties, I was still like this hormonal teenager who just wanted to prove shit to his father and wanted to prove shit to the world that look at me with my finance job. Fuck you guys. I'm smart. And it got to a point like you, for me, it was, for me, it was, it was less fed up, but it was more scary for me, for me, scary me because like I was watching my thoughts get really, really dark. And mm -hmm. I knew that if I stayed here, it wouldn't be healthy. Because because of um, my my independence thing, right? So I'm really good at persevering through tough shit. Like that's my my ammo. Like I will be the last person off the treadmill or whatever because I'm trying to prove shit, right? And so I remember sitting in that finance office and just leaning back and just looking at all the people because like every day they just give you shit. You walk in, they give you shit because that's they're trying to train you. But then they're like, after they give you shit, like, okay, let's go for it. Like, no, fuck you. Like, I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. And I would just sit there and I would just look at them like, gosh, I wonder if I shot this person. Like, that would feel like, you know, and then like, okay, I'm gonna shoot this person once, that person twice. Ooh. Like, 
It and sounds like, cut. It, it sounds funny, but in my head, it, it was a very logical thing mm. of of doing these things, doing harm to people. And we learned, like from Lynn said, like um, people who are secure, they don't, they they wouldn't want to do harm to other people. So my mind is normalizing doing bad things to people, mm. and be like, yeah, I'm sick and tired of this shit. I would totally. Like I would off you first, then you, then you, then you in my head. Right. Yeah. And it, it scared me because it felt like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I knew that, okay, my mind is going somewhere, not healthy. And I've never told anybody this mm. publicly before, but when I noticed that my mind was going to dark places, I could kind of tell that if I stayed here, that that darkness would just make more sense to me. And and I'm not like that. I like teaching kids. I like mm. helping people. I'm not, I, it, it occurred to me that it just made sense. Like Nikon, that's not normal. You need to not be here. This is not good for you. And then I left and then, and then in saying that out loud, I kind of, I have more compassion for people who do stay and, and things like that on their minds do seem normal, but they're not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get it. Like sometimes we, well, not sometimes, I mean, all the time, that's how we experience life, right? We, the more we're, that, that's actually why I want to have these conversations about, mm. about living the life we want, because the more we're in this conversation and looking at the things that we, we don't dare to look at and, mm. and speaking aloud and just being inside that conversation, that becomes more, real it that you know it's like so if if we're experiencing life through you know what we're thinking and and what we're saying and we're having these conversations these back and forth mm. then we might as well have these great conversations right we might as well spread this this it is possible guys it is possible to live the life you want so i i really well first of all i I'm, I, you're courageous to share to share that and it it's really amazing that you know back then you didn't have the you know this this understanding but yet yeah. it was there right and you you still had your wisdom spoke to you and told you hey get the hell out mm, right mm. and and i i think that you know if if people could just you know, listen to it, like when they mm. hear it, when, when it says, okay, look, do this and go for it. You know, I think that that would be just so awesome. <laughs> I think, I think in saying that out loud, I realize now at all my darkest turns in life, including staying way too long in toxic relationships with women, it all, there was always a point where wisdom, it would be like a bright light would come in and be like, Nikon, like, get out. And I, I would never question it. I would be like, are you sure? I'd be like, okay, like, like I got to go. And I always felt insecure about it because I always felt like I was quitting or I was like a loser for leaving. But the messages were so clear. It was just a very no-brainer. You need to leave this. This is not healthy. And... And pointing and in pointing to you can live the life you want. I always felt bad because I always thought like this is what I want, but I was always miserable. Like like why is this not working? Like you know whatever. And I think when I really did let go of what I thought I wanted, because I realized most of what I wanted was based on my insecurities, mm. and most of what I wanted was based on what what I guess society or culture told me I should want. And when I really that was probably the hardest thing to get over is to give all that conditioning up, to give up that image. And what came through was I don't really like Lamborghinis. <laughs> you know, I don't really, I don't really need a big ass house. You know, I don't need a, a helicopter or a private jet or, you know, diamond necklaces. Like I'm, I like, like I'm really happy with small spaces. I, I want, I like spending money on coaches and mentors and, you know, like, and that was new to me too, that like, oh wait, I need far less than I thought I wanted. Yeah. And when I really got in touch with 
how little I needed to be happy or like the inside out, right? Like happiness comes from within. I realized one, I didn't really need much. I didn't need to make, I no longer needed to make $10 million to, to live the life I wanted. I like, I probably need to make a hundred thousand or 200 to be ridiculously happy and do everything I've always wanted to do living in Thailand. It's funny because, you know, as you're saying that I'm kind of like, okay, I'm looking at the dream it there, do it thing. And I'm, I'm like, you know, like my, if, if I remember when I was a kid, you know, Mm. if my dream would be to, to be a singer, you know, and, and I did, I, I did, sing i i you know i mm. i wanted to sing i sang um i was looking for a stage i found the stage i you know i created it for myself mm. i wanted to have an album i i recorded an album i was like okay well i can do this i you know nobody out there wants to record me i'll record me for a cry out out loud you know like so i but i want there's this thing also that you know like you have this dream as children where you don't have this the thinking around Mm. you know i shouldn't be dreaming this right so we have as we're younger we have these dreams of there's no filter we're just dreaming you know you could ask a young kid they're going to be oh i want to my dream is to fly a helicopter you know Mm. the adult would be my dream is to fly an helicopter but i don't have enough money to take the classes because if i take the classes then i'm uh, uh, uh," you know Mm -hmm. like there's this whole process of it and i know that you know most people who are listening to this i'm i'm sure they're not kids uh (laughs) And when I'm talking about dreaming, I'm talking about, you know, dare to have that, that dream that is yours, not that is, you know, I want to make $10 million because then I'm going to be blah, 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 blah. What is it that's Mm. calling you? What is, you know, somebody told me the other day actually was Lynn, you know, how is life calling you to live? You know, Mm. and life is calling me to live like this right now. And, and, you know, you can change your mind tomorrow and you can have, you know, change your mind next year. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, okay, I'm going to do this until I'm 30 or Mm. until I'm 70 or 80. You know what Mm. I mean? And yeah, that's, that's, really great it's like what do you want to do right now what go for it because anything anything is possible you know it's interesting when you were saying that what came to me was a lot of the nudges of what i wanted led me to other things that i wanted like what i originally wanted wasn't the end thing that i wanted but it led me to meet this person who was to introduce me to this other thing which is what i really wanted for example, um, I host an event in Bangkok called Superfail. And we host, it's a live show. It's like a live podcast. And we have three speakers and they're very influential. They're like celebrities or business personalities. We've had Olympians, we had world champions and like supermodels and um, fashion designers. And, and, and I just interview them like this, but specifically about their failures in, in, their, in their journey. And it was never a part of my business strategy or plan. The co-founder who was an events organizer named Rihanna, she just asked me one day like, hey, I wanna do a fuck up night. And I'm like, what's the fuck up night? And I had to go research it and redesign it to the way I wanted it to be. And it led to this, we've been doing it a year now. Now it's gonna expand internationally. And I never wanted that thing, but it, it was called, but life was calling me to, to help bring this idea to life. And I wonder if now for me, the way I I kind of play the game is I know what I want, but I also leave room for what I don't know could happen Mm. along the way, like, like super fail, which has led to some amazing connections and experiences. Right. And then, um, and that's been fascinating to me. I think the thing that hit me was like, wow, like, no, Rob Cook said it, Rob Cook. He said, what you want, is really the beginning of what's possible. It's not the end. And I've been sitting with that a lot. Mm, yeah, that's mm. beautiful. Say that again. 
Rob Cook, shout out to Rob Cook. He said, <laughs> he said, what you want is really just the beginning of what's possible for you. Mm. Mm. And I found that to be so true for me. What I want is really in like, like a blade of grass compared to what's possible. But I only want what I want because I can only see that far from where, from where I am standing. Yeah. 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 I, I heard someone the other day say, you know, the, the fun is in the unknown. Yeah. And that, I don't think we've been trained as much in the unknown, in wanting, in, in allowing your desires to sit in the unknown. You know, we, we, we've been trained to be very specific about what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. It has to look like this. It has to look like this timeline. It has to arrive by this and da, da, da. But we haven't been trained just to, just to, just to want purely to want and enjoy the wanting. Like for like, and, and this is very fresh to me right now. I just realized that I have been trained to want something with a very specific outcome. I want this, therefore it must look like that. I, I realize I've been less trained to like, wow, I really enjoy wanting to be Michael Niels' apprentice. Like I'm really enjoying wanting to grow a really successful coaching business. I have no idea how it's going to be, but I'm really enjoying this, this pure, clean desire. Like no one told me that was enough. Everybody's like, okay, you want this. What's your plan? And then all my insecurities are like, well, shit, I don't know how, blah, blah. But if somebody would have said to me, oh, you want that. That's so wonderful. Enjoy it. Very different game. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm. So we're both in the course, do more cool stuff. We're yes. doing this. Um, now, Dream It, Dare It, Do It is, you know, is uh, the birth and, and do more cool stuff. <laughs> this is kind of like came out of this one. Yeah. I'm also doing, I'm doing two. I'm doing chill girls. <laughs> so okay. it, one of my, with one of my girlfriends, we're going to have a podcast uh, and we're called chill girls and we're just going to chill and we've got games going on and we're just going to play. So uh, I'm in a very creative mode right now. Mm. I'm also working on a uh, six weeks, create your own podcast uh, <laughs> uh, workshop. It. So I'm playing with that. What are you playing with right now? Is there any cool stuff you want to share? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, actually, come to think about it, for me, well, well, I'm doing a podcast too, and you've inspired that. So you're going to be on my podcast next, Jasmine. Just, just cool conversations cool. on, just, just like I'm, I'm such an asshole. Like I like to disrupt things. So I like to invite people on the show, and we just we talk about a topic, and we just disrupt the old models of what like is, is it in business and like what kind of old models are you doing in business like one podcast we're going to do about disrupting old models of education and to me that's i love that shit and um i'm hosting super fail in bangkok and if you're in bangkok and you're listening you're more than invited to come and check it out and meet me in person um i would i'm in my kind of do more cool stuff is i'm designing a business accelerator like the way I want to where we just disrupt the shit out of bus your business and and from the ashes emerges this rising phoenix of your business in a whole new way right and I'm collaborating with um, another person in our in that group do more cool stuff and she has this cool idea to um, do a tutoring school because tutoring schools in Asia are a big thing but for like soft skills so we don't know what that's going to be like but I'm just putting that out there it's you know instead of coming to learn English, math, and science, you'll come and learn about confidence and how to talk to people and how to communicate to people for young children, for young kids who are like, who would usually go to tutoring school. Okay. And um, yeah, and then I'm training for the national, national games in Thailand and I'm training for a national championship. So that's taking up a lot of time and energy. And yeah, those are the things I'm working on. 
and I'm having a lot of fun. So I've, I've seen your, um, your Instagram mm. and your mm. Facebook. And so I have a question and like, I, maybe I should have read this somewhere else, but I try not to spend too much time yeah. on, on social media because otherwise yeah. I get sucked in and then five hours went by and it's like, wait, what did I do today? Oh, I looked at social media. Um, <laughs> so my question to you is, what is a wait date? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wait <laughs> so, night, date night, wait night, date night. So this, this is, it comes from a coach named Toku McCree. And he, he recently, or maybe a year ago, he got divorced from his wife. And he was kind of learning to, he, had, he wanted to like reset his relationship with the feminine. And he got inspired by another coach named Kendra Kunov, and who, who I guess does this kind of thing where she, she helps people create space in their lives for part for their ideal partners. Like sleep on one side of the bed. If you make dinner, make, put out a plate for two people, you know, clean out your closet, make space for your future partner. And then Toku asked himself like, okay, what's the guy version of that? And Toku, he, he, for him, he said, I'm just going to make space. Because if I, if I did have a partner, I would make time for her. I would carve out time on my schedule and do it. And then what it actually is, it's a Zen ritual of waiting. waiting. They call it waiting for nothing. Because we're always waiting for shit, right? But we very rarely wait for the sake of waiting. And it's a practice that creates a lot of space. Because you're just waiting and there's just emptiness. And so the idea is you show up for a date like you get dressed you buy flowers and you show up to the date and you just wait for an hour for nothing you just literally wait for nothing and you just kind of sit with yourself and you just notice notice what you're seeing and what you're hearing and what's coming to you and so again it, i felt called to do it like in my heart it's like you should do this thing you should do this. i'm like okay i'll do it i'll fucking do it you know like so for me it was a train station and um I think I cried for the first 20 minutes because I realized how fucking lonely I was. <laughs> like, I'm so alone with jump in front of this fucking train. And then, and then my mind quieted it down and I realized I've been pushing away all like, I'm not lonely. Like, no, you're fucking lonely. Like, and you really want a partner. I'm like, oh. and then, and then I just, I just noticed things. I just noticed that loneliness comes and goes. I noticed that my self-worth comes and goes. I noticed the insecurities come up and go down and I started watching the people and like, I started like, Oh, like it was at a train station. Right. So I was like, Oh, like what's their day? Like they have a good day. Um, and I, I just saw things, Jasmine. It was, it was weird as hell. I recommend everybody to do it. Wait night, date night, go to a place and wait for an hour. And in waiting to wait, waiting for the sake of waiting, it's just, it's peaceful. It's calm. And, and you, and all these things come up and it's like, you just have more space for creativity. Because for you're you're still yeah. It sounds like you're you were basically observing the human nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that one hour. And um and I've been I'm doing I do it I try and do it every week now. Even I told myself even if you do get a partner I'd still go and do it. It's just such a great ritual of waiting and just being with yourself and and in to point to the point of this podcast, right? Like what if waiting to wait and creating space for yourself would help you get more clarity around what it is you really want and help make space for that wisdom to connect to that wisdom yeah. within you? Well, you know, um, I've, been, I've been single for a long time, you know, like uh, after that first relationship that I was telling mm. you about and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm literally doing this because... I think I should be doing this, you know, I should be in a relationship, I should get married, I should have kids, and I should have a family. And, um, and I could tell you that the first nine years, <laughs> like, the nine years, not kidding, you know, I cried, and I was mm. lonely. And, uh, you know, I had my insecurities were, you know, I'm pathetic nobody loves me. And, you know, but the more that I stuck to it, the more that um, I studied 
you know, I really looked within. That's like the, mm. I think that everybody could gain a lot at being single because I got to know myself in a way that I don't think I would have been able to were I have had kids and, and got married and, you know, like, cause I would have got caught up in that whole bustle. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I've dated for all the wrong reasons to have dated because I was lonely, because I was horny, you know, like, like all the wrong reasons. And I think just, I think do this wait night date thing and really learning how to be with myself and really learning how to see that I'm already whole. Like I don't need a partner to be whole, but if someone does come in, they, they're going to get a version of me or a maturity that that's like, like I'm good. Yeah. And and you get to share in my goodness, not my incompleteness. You know, I'm not looking for you to complete me in any shape or way or form. And I think Jerry Maguire just screwed it all up for us. Yeah, that guy screwed <laughs> that fucker, man. <laughs> Fuck that guy. And <laughs> and and so in a roundabout way, like this is what you want. Because like in my heart, I realized that like no Nikon, you actually do do well with the partner, but you've been doing it for all the wrong reasons your entire life because you've never sat long sat still long enough to really look at the shit and having sat sat with it i'm like oh okay i see why like i've been these desires have been driven by insecurities yeah and when i stop doing that i just all these cool shit start having like meeting great people meeting um like opportunities show up because i just have more space in my life because i'm not busy trying to mess with my insecurities or not busy desiring from my insecurities it's clean now and that I think that probably changed my life. Yeah, I, I think that if we can, like today in, in our class, the thing that, you know, really resonated with me was, and I wrote it down, insecurity is not a fact, it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know that feelings, they just, you know, they come through me right? They mm -hmm. feelings, I feel them and then they go away. It's not like I, I get a feeling and all of a sudden I'm, I've got this feeling forever. Okay. Well, I have a feeling of anxiety. Now I'm going to be anxious for the rest of my life. You know, like, yeah. they, Oh my God. They <laughs> disappear. Can you imagine they disappear? So it's really, it's really cool to see. Oh yeah. So insecurity is just really thought and thought is energy and energy just dissipates, you know, like yeah. it moves through us. And I've, I've learned to, um, I was listening to this podcast by Michael Neal and Genpo Roshi. And he said, you, you go up the mountain, then you have all this understanding, but you have to come down from the mountain for you to be able to share with people and connect with people. And for me, it was just allowing myself to feel as lonely as I needed to feel lonely and just live through that shit. And, and it was deeply, deeply satisfying. And that messed me up. Like, why is being lonely so satisfying? Mm -hmm. And it, it was like this aliveness come, this feeling of aliveness coming through. I'm like, wow, like this is what it's like to feel fucking, to feel fucking lonely. Like, I really get this now. And I almost have so much more compassion for people now. Cause like, wow, like, I, I get that. I know exactly what that feels like. And it's not coming from, I kind of know what loneliness feels like. No, 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 I get what your level of loneliness feels like. I've fucking been there. Yeah. And it just helped my connections. I mean, it helped me have more compassion for people because I'm, I've, I've allowed myself to feel more without being attached to the feeling. Mm. Yeah. Listen, I want to do something with you. I have this website. Mm-hmm. I, this is unplanned people. I, I'm like, this is just like something that came, came to mind. So it is called questions, like a whole bunch of questions. So I have, to, I don't Go even know it. what the games are. So um, I had, there was a, hold on. So see, there are so many <laughs> got this website. Uh, hold on. There was one. Would you Shoot away, fire? Would you rather questions? Go for it. We could play with the would you rather questions. Weird would you rather questions. <laughs> let's go see what weird would you rather questions are. I'm freaky. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
some of them are like are probably not, not going to make any sense. Would you rather your shirts be always two sizes too big or one size too small? I like a fitted shirt. <laughs> I think I look good in a fitted shirt. <laughs> yeah. I think two sizes too big. <laughs> okay. Um, I should, I'm not, I'm not even sure I should ask this question. I'm going to go ahead. Would you rather have one nipple or two belly buttons? <laughs> I really like my nipples. I'm going to go with two belly buttons. <laughs> that could be interesting. <laughs> okay. So that was weird ones. Let's go say, would you rather, uh, I'm going to tell you the types and you tell me which one you'd like. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hold on. So funny would you rather question good go would funny you rather question go funny funny yeah would you rather be a reverse centaur or a reverse <laughs> merman i want to be a reverse merman <laughs> why merman because i don't i i always i'd imagine if i could swim and breathe underwater like that would be a whole new world to explore that's nice i like it okay to me would you rather your only mode of transportation be a donkey or a giraffe? Donkey. I mean, I don't know. I think parking a giraffe would be tiresome. Yeah, I think it would be problematic. Would you only, would you rather only be to use a fork? Would you rather only be to use a fork? Oh, be able, you know, they forgot a word. Mm -hmm. yeah, Would you yeah, rather yeah. only be able to use a fork, no spoon, or only be able to use a spoon, no fork? Fork. I'm a spoon girl. I eat yeah. my salad with a spoon. I work with these. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm crazy. I work with these guys and at lunch we make a communal salad. And yeah. when I started eating with them, I'd be like, but where's the fork? <laughs> where's the where's the spoon? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I can't just go, mm, 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 mm. I need to have my spoon and have all the bits inside. <laughs> I know. Oh, geez. Uh, I guess I just realized I really love soup. I can't eat f soup with a fork. So. There you go. See? Or cereal. So I think, I think a spoon would win. See? Spoon. You get more for your bite. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night or sweat, not sweet, sweat maple syrup? Oh. <laughs> That's kind of gross. That's gr I wouldn't do any of those things. They both sound gross. <laughs> they both sound gross. I agree. Would you rather have the read aloud to read aloud every word you read or sing everything you say out loud? If I had a good voice, I'd sing the shit out of everything. I'd be like, hey, Jasmine, how are you? Hey. <laughs> That's not a bad voice. <laughs> One, back, two, three, two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have questions to ask a guy. Hmm. Oh, here we go. I'm going to do this for another two minutes. Don't worry, guys. If you guys okay. are bored, I'm just like I'm playing. Oh, what was your best mic drop moment? I'm sure you have a few. Oh, man. Uh, best mic drop moment. Um, let, let me think. Let me think. Um, um, trying to think of the best mic drop moment be like pow um i think i think it was an experience a collective experience it was the first super fail event in bangkok and it was the first one ever did and we had like a, we had like a celebrity come and we had like two multi-millionaires come and we had um uh, another startup person come and for me it was a mic drop because I don't think anybody thought we could do it and it was just like mic drop did it motherfuckers what's Fala. up Fala. like like you know 
out of nowhere, just pulled this thing together within two weeks, you know, what, what you got. And, um, that, that was a mic drop for, for me, for me, it was like proving shit and, um, or winning a bronze medal at the Thai national games. I was like, Oh, check it out. 33 years old, won my first national bronze, like games, you know, nobody thought I could do it. Everybody else is like 16, 17 year olds. What up? <laughs> nice. I have a mic drop moment. I'm not sure it's a good, like the one that came to mind. I'm not sure my dad would be happy that I shared this. Okay. So we're what we're 50 minutes in. So if anybody went all the way through this <laughs> craziness, this is, this is the treasure chest at the end. If you listen all the, the way through. Chest. Okay. So here's the mic drop. So my father used to tease my mother all the um. time about her not giving him sex right okay so like this it was just like a joke you know like it was like mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm still waiting for it you know like he, he would always <laughs> have like this kind of joke you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah but I, i'm pretty sure it was some jabs like there were jabs in yeah. there and younger yeah. i wouldn't say anything i mean i would just like poor mommy poor mommy poor mommy but once i hit 22 um, you know, I was, you know, I kind of knew what that was. Now I understood what he was doing. Yeah. I had had my boyfriend and I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, so one day we're, we're sitting down for dinner and we're eating and he makes this joke about, <laughs> he makes this joke about that again, <laughs> that he's not getting any. And I looked at him and I said, that's not how mom says it. Oh, oh snap, mic drop. Mic drop. What did he do? <laughs> and my mom yeah, mic drop. What did he do? Laughing her brains out. My father's like, What have you been telling her? <laughs> and my mom like, stop doing that. I'm the one who gets the shit after. <laughs> I think that's just like universally awkward when you talk to your parents about getting laid. Yeah. Like <laughs> isn't it cool though? At like at some point. At some point, I, I think I heard a joke where it's like, there's a point in your life where, where your parents, there's a switch between your parents hope you're not getting laid, but then at some point, they hope you are getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> I think my dad, I'm now 50 and my dad is like 78. I think my dad. You look like, you look like you're 35. Yeah, I'm 35. That's what I am. No. Yeah. Now I know I, I, I keep my, I, I sleep in a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> you, everybody should listen to this podcast just for the jokes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. So what childish thing do you still enjoy? Um, and I'm, I love, I love messing with people and like joking and like teasing. I love teasing people. I love just messing with people and like, I'll find a good, good friend who I know can kind of like take it and I will just roast the shit out of them and like, like tease Caleb. them or like mess with them. I will, I will, I will, yeah, like Caleb. <laughs> Shout out to Caleb, my number one Shout bitch. Shout out Caleb, I don't know if you listen through. <laughs> and and but like i will i will send people shit from amazon just to mess with them like they will get like dicks in the mail from each <laughs> for my own satisfaction <laughs> just and you put a paper when please videotape yourself when you receive this package yeah like but that's the real thing like you can order dicks in the mail for people <laughs> i i know it's a real thing you can order anything yeah like i will like i will spend money and time messing with people like and it's just but it, i do it from a good place so they don't it's they don't feel like they're being picked on but like like oh nikon put enough time and attention into this because he cares about me you know <laughs> yeah i get it yeah. okay one last one one last mm. one uh no What is the most useless thing you know how to do? The most like, useless thing. Like what kind of talents do you have? Um, give, give me a moment. The most useless thing I know how to do. Um, 
That's a really good question. I know. The I'm most the most useless thing I know how to do is it's funny because to me it doesn't feel like I'm thinking of things like they don't feel useless to me though. You know, like my ego is like it's not useless. Um oh gosh, I'm trying to think. The most useless thing. <laughs> we don't know. It this gonna make sense context contextually. In Asia, not a lot of people speak French. And I, I learned French because I had a French girlfriend in high school and I wanted to learn French. And I moved to France for a couple months. And I learned how to like swear or like like drive in French. People like, oh, qu'est-ce que tu fais? Like, incroyable, you know. Like that. That's not very helpful in Bangkok because nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but in France, I'm like, oh, qu'est-ce que tu fais? Incroyable. Like, like, what are you doing? Unbelievable. You know, like to me, that <laughs> that to me that at this point in time in this that seems useless to me. <laughs> But if I was in Quebec or in France, that might be more useful. But contextually. Yeah, well, if you were in Quebec and you'd say, Mais qu'est-ce que tu fais? Voyons donc. We'd say, Qu'est-ce que tu veux, tabarnak? <laughs> I'd love to say that and have people understand me. <laughs> okay. Okay, so that was fun. That was fun. So let's just zoom back in here bring it all in and we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna ask you do you have like uh, like let's say somebody is like contemplating living the life they want mm -hmm. and they're not doing it because fill in the blank <laughs> yeah. what what or do you have any inspirational words for them i'm i'm it's probably gonna, i'm probably going to sound like an asshole but i'm going to say it is if you're not doing it because of fill in the blank you probably you probably don't really want to do it mm. and take a, i would i would suggest to just take a hard look and maybe re reimagine what you want look at look at the things where look at the things that you you're doing that you nobody needs to tell you like okay you should do it and and just follow that see where it takes you and believe me like and me too i've i've put put i've set up lofty you know super goals for my business and i never did them because in my heart i didn't really want to do it mm. you know like make a hundred thousand dollars in three months i'm like yeah i don't really want to do like, but it was far easy for me to, why don't we just get one client like that? Like, I want to do that. I want to work with someone new this month, you know? And, um, yeah, that, that's what came to me when you said it. I was like, if they're not doing, they probably don't want to do it. And, um, so I've learned something cool and this relates. I've been hanging out with a lot of really, really inspirational, um, business owners and, and like people who own big businesses and their CEOs. And I've, and they said to me, I asked them, like, how, are we, how do you have time to do all these things you do? I was like, well, like, you seem so busy. I was like, I have a lot on, but I'm not busy. I always have time to do the things I really want to do. And that blew my fucking mind. I was like, oh, everybody has time for the things they really want to do. And if you don't want to do it, you, you'll never have the time to do it or the money. But if you really, really, really want to do it, you'll find the money and the time to do it. Hmm. Well, and you can't, I, yeah. yeah. And you can't make your shit. You can't make yourself do things you don't really want to do. I've learned that too. Well, I'm super happy that you really wanted to do this podcast with me. I would have moved heaven and earth. <laughs> <laughs> it was super fun. That, that's a good example. Like when, when you gave me the times and you're like, okay, let's do it at 11 at night on a Thursday. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Like it wasn't, oh, uh, I was like, fuck yeah. For Jasmine. 1am I do it. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I, I think I'm gonna reinvite you sometime. I mean, we're gonna have to do this again. Yeah. So, <laughs> so people, if you want to hear more about Nikon, you go to NikonGormley.com. And um, I'm a lot, I'm really active on my Instagram at Nikon.Gormley. 
and uh, my Facebook at Nikon Gormley. And um, yeah, more good things to come. Come come hang out with me. Come play. Hang out with Jasmine. Jasmine's going to come on my podcast and we're going to shoot the shit over on my side. The shit. So people, I hope that we've inspired you to dream it, dare it, do it. And uh, with that being said, we shall see you at the next episode. And I don't know who it is yet to be continued. But Nikon, thank you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for hosting this podcast. And your, your community is incredibly lucky to have you. And I am so incredibly grateful that I got to meet you when I met you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.